Welcome to Access Point Radio, your destination for the news, strategies, and practices needed to grow your business. I'm your host, Kyle Todd. Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Access Point Radio. Thank you for joining us today. Um, As always, I want to start off the show by thanking our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development, and in particular, the DC Main Streets Program, and the Department of Housing and Community Development. It is uh, their grant dollars to us that not only help us uh, produce this show, but allow us to assist businesses up and down Uh, in our case, the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor, but also in Main Street Corridors throughout the District of Columbia. Uh, We are coming to you from the District of Columbia, uh, and uh, we are continuing our series of talking with business owners here in DC uh, and how they are adapting and adjusting, uh, and in in some cases, completely pivoting their business processes um, to to be able to to stay in in business during the government shutdown during the during the c- country's shutdown um, because of the coronavirus COVID nineteen uh, so I'm very pleased to welcome today um, another uh, very innovative business owner um, Chef Christian Irabien from Muchas Gracias DC uh, thank you for joining us today Christian. Thank you for having me, Todd. I'm happy to be here. So uh, you um, you actually were just about to open uh, when when all of this this hit uh, your 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 new restaurant space uh, up in Van Ness. Um, talk a little bit about the original concept for your restaurant, if you would, please. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm originally born and raised in Mexico, but did a lot of growing up in the border of El Paso, Texas and Ciudad Juarez. Um, the idea originally was to do a, what we call borderless cuisine, um, a representation of the flavors of everything from Northern Mexico and the Southwest region of the United States and the conversation ongoing about how all of the flavors of Mexico being our near neighbor to the South um, influence a lot of the cooking through the regions of the United States. Um, We uh, had spent months building this beautiful space and creating a menu and developing um, a, a system of full service for the neighborhood. And we were ready to announce and ready to open and the weekend where we were supposed to get all of our teams ready to go to start working and open the doors to the neighborhood, uh, the country shut down, the world shut down. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you obviously hit by uh, um, a, a blow of, of bad luck on that, but um, you, you didn't just keep your doors shut. Um, you have you have rolled out some some exciting to go menus. Um, how 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 is business going for you? Uh, yeah, so I mean, we did we did close the doors for a minute. We had no idea what was happening, what we were gonna do, um, what the right thing to do was. Uh, we for sure um, needed needed some some soul searching to figure out what 
what we needed to do for ourselves and for the neighborhood and for our people. Um, and through the couple of weeks that we were closed, uh, we started seeing a lot of our friends, whether restaurant owners or um, colleagues and other other people in the restaurant world around DC that we've worked with before through the years. And we started seeing everybody closing their doors, losing their businesses, um, their livelihoods, their jobs, just every everything seemed to be falling apart. Um, particularly uh, the people that we saw the most need to reach out to and help were the Latin American immigrant community. Um, who make a large, large portion, if not the entire backbone of the restaurant industry here in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Um, particularly because uh, a lot of the resources being opened up were being channeled through platforms that the Latin American community doesn't necessarily frequent or have access to, um, whether it be through because of language barriers, internet access, um, social media platforms that are not necessarily heavily used by the community. Um, so a lot of the information wasn't reaching uh, the people that needed it the most uh, and the people that when all of these establishments are open are the ones that show up to do all of the heavy lifting for them. So it originally started with us trying to put together all of the resources that we could um, in English and in Spanish to help all of our furloughed um, team members, but also all of the furloughed staff members around the city that um, that we knew were in need of help. Um, that eventually turned in out to different organizations that were aligned with our vision, which were providing whether it be farm uh, fresh grocery bags that were supporting farms and also people in need. Um, the main one being friends and family meal, um, as well as Tables Without Borders, who we've done a lot of work with through the last year, um, who whose focus is to work with immigrant refugee chefs and pair them with restaurants and chefs to help them develop careers in the culinary field here in DC. Um, then that turned into how else can we support? Um, and the only, I mean, the only thing, <laughs> The biggest thing, if not the only thing, that we know how to do is um, cook beautiful food and um, show up for our people. So we opened the doors. We brought in a team of three people. We didn't know if people were actually going to come out and eat. We didn't know if people were going to leave their homes. We didn't know. We didn't know anything. So we sort of just saw an immediate need for three people that were in our team that needed paychecks to support their families and here in in dc and also abroad and we brought them in and week one was good week two was insane and week three even more so so as we've gone um we've been able to reabsorb a couple of other um staff members that had been let go from the restaurant um and we're just we're cooking food and the neighborhood's there for it and they're coming in and they're buying all all of it literally selling out almost every weekend uh that's that's such good news uh are you doing delivery your uh, are you doing delivery is it all pick up and take out uh we do pick up and take out um, but we also do delivery. We are on a few different platforms, but you can get delivery through our website directly. 
Um, also, we're on Caviar, DoorDash, and Chow now, and working on other avenues as we've as we've been growing. Um, I think because of the nature, <laughs> we had spent we had spent almost eight months trying to figure out the training and the concept and how we were going to open this restaurant for the neighborhood. And then everything sort of got flipped upside down. And then we had to figure out what we took us eight months on how to do it in four days. <laughs> so everything is sort of an organic breathing organism that we're adjusting and feeding and caring for every single day and trying to make sure that we are, you know, holding it up as best we can and trying to help it evolve as we're moving. I, I mean, any new business <clears throat> under normal circumstances has to grow and evolve um, from, from the day you open your door. And uh, so I'm sure you were prepared for one set of expectations in how you might have to adapt your business model. And then suddenly the world is flipped upside down and you've got to, you got to come up with a whole new script to follow. Uh, what a, what a challenge. But uh, I mean, if you're selling out every weekend, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're, you're meeting the challenge quite well. Uh, what, you know, beyond, beyond the fact that you suddenly had to redo the script, uh, what are some unexpected challenges that you've run up against Within, within the scheme of, okay, we have to change our whole business model. Uh, what, are, what are some of the uh, challenges that you've run, run up against um, in, this, in this new world order? Um, well, so many. I think the, the immediate, the immediate um, challenge that comes to mind is just adjusting our, our service. Um, myself and my team included we're all we've all worked in full service restaurants and we've basically focused our entire business models and mindsets on figuring out how to deliver a full service experience um, that translates a story or um, you know um, a, a way to celebrate whether it be just a night out or a birthday or you know any kind of familiar celebration that we all hold as humans. Um, and now we've had to sort of turn that into this insane takeout operation where one minute we figured, well, we sometimes do food to go. It can't be that hard to figuring out how do we prepackage 150 salads at a time uh, <laughs> along with everything else because the depends so exponential that um, I don't think that us in our weirdest dreams re figured that this would take off as much as it did, considering the situation that we're in. Um, but I suppose that there are worse problems to have. Well, I, I mean, I can tell you as um, a, a native Texan that the hunger for good Mexican food is a real thing here. Um, so it's it's no wonder you're doing well. Uh, it, and, and I've, you know, in talking with other restaurant owners that are, that are adapting to this um, either delivery or takeout model, um, it seems like one of the biggest challenges is um, which, of the few, which of the foods that you prepare translate well to, to takeout, just like you mentioned about, you know, prepacking the salads. Um, I'm sure that um, 
as you mentioned in one of your earlier comments, uh, loving to make beautiful food, uh, I, I, I would imagine it's a challenge to pack a to-go box um, that is as visually compelling as it is tasty. Um, have you have you have you come up with some new processes for that? Is that is are you just worried about getting the food out the door? Yeah, I mean, I think as as we've had to adapt, um, and as the weeks have gone on and our volume has increased, um, and also looking back at when we decided to get muchas gracias up and running, um, one of the biggest things that we talked about was that the the main concept for the food that we were doing was not to be, we weren't trying to be a chef driven concept. We weren't trying to recreate something insane. What we were trying to do was feed our neighbors and, you know, create, create immediate economic impact for the people that we would be able to absorb. And in order to do that, um, we wanted to box up what we would consider a hug um, we wanted to have feel-good meals, simple, homey, delicious stuff, not anything that would have you guessing what was on the plate, what the crazy ingredient was, what uh, an insane flavor combination was happening, um, which are all great. And when we do have, you know, our our restaurants open and our dining rooms open and we're welcoming you to to see our, our vast culinary techniques, uh, what we wanted to do was make sure that the people in the neighborhood um, that needed access to food were getting it, that they were getting nutritious meals, that they were getting hot meals, and um, that they were getting something that felt good, that that at the end of the meal, they felt satisfied, they felt nourished, and um, with a portion that once they were done, maybe there would be a little bit left over for either breakfast or lunch the next day. I love that concept, um, boxing up a hug. That That's phenomenal. Um, so out of the lessons that you're learning, um, in this case, unexpected lessons learned, uh, what do you see uh, taking forward with you when uh, restrictions are eased and you're allowed to bring your guests into the restaurant again? Um, well, one, we're all very anxious for that. We, we're anxious to see our friends again, to welcome people into our dining room, to be able to shake hands and physically hug beyond the plate. Um, but, uh, we're, we're unsure. We're, we're so uncertain as to what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone three months from now. Um, we don't know if we're going to get shut down again, if we're going to, everything's just sort of going to reopen, um, what the landscape's going to look like um, after this, considering um, what's been happening, not just in restaurants, but also throughout the supply chain, right? The farms and the purveyors and um, the people working in all these fields, there's been all kinds of shutdowns and meatpacking plants in different farms um, where we've been having issues getting some of the uh, product that comes from the Southwest and then from Mexico to be able to create the dishes that we usually create. Um, so we are also having to adapt and get really creative with what's around us, um, which on one, on one end of the spectrum and in the chef world is something that is constantly preached, how to be local, how to be, hyper-local, how to just eat what's around you and create beautiful meals that way. Um, 
so, so we're, we're, everything comes back to life and all of us are, are able to survive it. But we also want to be very cognizant of the fact that that might not be the case for a while. And um, we want to try to adapt in a way that is safe for everyone, um, first and foremost, and then also a way that we're able to create our food and, and provide for our, for our neighborhood and our community. And, and speaking of providing for your community, um, you, you are, um, you're giving back to the community in the form of um, some assistance to, to your uh, immigrants uh, restaurant team folks, right? Um, you, you talked a little bit about when we, when we chatted the other day, you talked about some of the assistance programs that, that, which is Gracias DC is, um, is doing to assist restaurant workers. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned, uh, the very first step that I took uh, when I started seeing everything that was happening was to try to to try to transfer the information and try to connect people with the programs or at least with the data for people to be able to access different things if they needed them. Um, and we were able to pull together a bunch of resources and they're up on our website um, and we keep updating them as as we get more information, whether it be virtual tip jars, GoFundMes, um, Venmos, uh, nonprofit organizations with different programs for medical assistance, financial assistance, um, uh, legal services, food, meals for kids, meals for adults, grocery bags, whatever it is that we're able to find that um, can provide for people in need where we're trying to post it and keep a live record of it. Uh, for people to access. Um, secondly, and we started trying to create, you know, if not all of the jobs that we had already planned on creating, at least some of them, um, to within the limitations that we have to ensure that some of the people that we support were still getting some sort of economic support to to their to their kids and their families. Um, Following that, we're also, you know, making sure that anyone that was furloughed from the company um, that hasn't necessarily been able to come back to work, they all have free hot meals. They can come in and get get food anytime. Um, and um, we're working, like I mentioned before, we're working with uh, friends and family meal who is connecting with farms and then salvaging um, produce that would otherwise go to waste considering that a lot of restaurants are not buying in the quantities that they were buying before. They're probably not buying all of the um, more expensive wilder ingredients that the, that the chefs would be buying at normal times. Um, so they're salvaging that produce and then trying to connect it and turn it into grocery bags that are going to service workers. And with our support, um, trying to focus also on the Latin American Spanish speaking community. Um, and we're doing that by one, um, donating parts of our proceeds or parts of our sales to, to support their cause. Um, but we're also developing a market aspect to the business where we are able to provide uh, fresh farm CSA boxes to the neighborhood. And with those boxes, um, by purchasing those boxes, then uh, you create uh, or you donate a box. So basically for every box that is bought, we are donating a CSA box through friends and family a meal to go to a, a family in need. 
That is that is phenomenal. Uh, I, I, do you do you have a full list of subscribers? Do you have any more room on your uh, CSA subscriber list? Yeah, I mean the the subscription list is um, sort of growing, and you can reach out to us uh, through email or through the website for it. Uh, we're hoping to roll out our very first box, if not by this coming weekend, hopefully by by next Wednesday. Um, and yeah, I mean we're working directly with a couple of the farms that that bring produce to us uh, to make the food for muchas gracias. Uh, but also working with a lot of local producers and restaurants that we know are either struggling or trying to stay afloat uh, that are making delicious either sauces, dips, chips, all the kinds of things that we would want to just kind of have around in the house that we could put in these boxes to to get out on a weekly basis to people. Yes. Sure. How much are how much are the C how much are the CSA boxes? So I, again, that's a little bit right now. It's being worked on. Um, it's ah, we're okay. we're trying to figure out what the what the curated box looks like and what's going to go in there and making those connections to see what we're going to have available. Um, but I believe that there will be tiers. Um, there will be opportunities for people to buy a one-off box, and then it'll be opportunities for people to sign up for two or three months, so you're receiving it weekly. So I think it'll be a little bit of a case-by-case, case and depending on what you're looking for and what you want, we'd, we'd be able to curate that for you. Uh, another ever-evolving uh, product. That's that's exciting. Um, so as as things um get back to normal and you know fingers crossed that they all get back to, to some semblance of normal sooner rather than later um but of course we all want to be safe uh what are what are your what are your long-term plans uh, this uh this restaurant thing you're gonna you're gonna expand and and um grow other spots we want to see more mexican food in dc uh, yeah, believe me, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, we, well, I don't know. Everything is sort of just, uh, in the ether floating around right now, but, um, I've been, I, my quest, I think since, since I started pursuing this cooking as a career has been to, to reach a point where I can cook my food very selfishly so that I can eat my food, uh, because I can't find <laughs> Mexican food that I'm thrilled about that is highly accessible without having to, you know, drive to Virginia or to Maryland or across the city, uh, somewhere that is near me. And, um, and literally is just all the stuff that I like to eat and would hope that other people also get to enjoy breaking out a little bit outside of the mold of, um, what regular Mexican menus seem to be in the United States and hopefully show people that there's just a, a vast culinary landscape in Mexico. Um, for people to experiment and try. Uh, we've been doing a lot of pop-ups uh, on different concepts, um, whether it be just small ceviche, ceviche bars during the summer to more upscale um, experiences, very reminiscent of you know the cosmopolitan places in Mexico City or Guadalajara or Oaxaca. Um, and right now, with Muchas Gracias, we're trying to recreate a lot of the flavors of the border um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're ideas rich and, uh, going outside and touching each other poor. So <laughs> we're, we're trying to get over, over this hump and, uh, figure out where, where we're going to land next. 
Well, I, I can't wait to, to watch the progression. Um, can't wait to order some food from you soon. Um, and uh, let's, um, let's, let's stay in touch about um, the projects you're working on. Love to revisit with you in a couple of months and see how the evolution of Muchas Gracias DC is going. Um, folks, if you want to uh, check out their menu, it is uh, muchasgraciasdc.com. Uh, they are located at 5029 Connecticut Avenue Northwest in DC. Um, Christian, uh, do you want to share the, the, um, email address or phone number for people to place orders? Absolutely. Uh, we can be reached at hola, H-O-L-A, at muchasgraciasdc.com. Uh, our phone number is 202-244-5000. Fairly easy. Perfect. Super easy to remember. Uh, well, Christian, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy that you are um, seeing success even in this challenging time. And I can't wait for, for, the, uh, for the food, the hug in a box to arrive at my front door. Um, and can't wait to see your, your space once everything gets open. Um, so thank you again. And thank you for the work you're doing for the community. Uh, the, the CSA boxes are, are a great idea, particularly the buy one, donate one. Um, and yet another hallmark of small businesses um, con contributing right back to the community where they're, where they're working. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, and we will, um, we'll visit again soon, okay? Fantastic. Happy to do so. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. And uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Access Point. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.